20 awesome ways to be less stressed. Ready? Learn what your body needs and make it a priority. Get creative and have hobbies. Be aware of your thoughts. Practice deep breathing. Get outside and walk more. Focus on facts rather than emotions. Express, don't suppress. Accept what you can't control. Work on your insecurities. Do not let your past failures define you. Don't base your words and actions based on assumptions. Be vulnerable. Make sure you have a tribe. Watch what you think and say about yourself. Start and end the day right. Don't avoid hard tasks. Focus on the now. Protect your mental health when dealing with difficult people. Listen to your body and don't overthink everything. And sometimes you just need to call the day and stop making decisions and trying to solve every problem in that moment. We're diving into all of this today. Let's go. You're listening to the How to Be Awesome at Everything podcast, where we're obsessed with life hacks that make your life more awesome. Your host, Lindsay Dickhout, is an entrepreneur and business owner, a mom and wife, and someone who wants to do things over the top at all times. This concept started as a collection of things Lindsay has learned that she was documenting to give to her kids one day, and now it's a podcast. Join us on this journey where we talk about how to be awesome at everything we do. Here's Lindsay. Today's podcast episode is all about stress and stress management. And I believe that this is so important because stress is so hard on our bodies. I've always known this, but I've realized so much more lately how much stress can affect everything, can affect your body physically, can affect your mental health and your overall happiness and your days. Stress is inevitable in life, of course, for all of us, but managing it is something else. And I wanted to do 20 awesome ways to be less stressed to give you actual practical, tactical ways to be less stressed in your daily life. So we're going to talk about ways to be less stressed in the here and now, like in the immediate when you're feeling anxiety or even a panic attack or lots of stress and overwhelm and pressure, or just in general, when you have this overall weight on your shoulders, this feeling of heaviness and stress. We're going to talk about both ways, lots of cool hacks and tactics I've written down a bunch of notes for this episode from a whole bunch of different books and different philosophies, some not even about mental health and happiness, just about productivity or clarity or minimalism, a whole bunch of different things. But before we get into it, just to kind of bring home the point, I was researching the actual effects of stress on the body, and I did not realize all the negative health effects. I mean, I knew, but here's a quick list. And when I post this um, podcast, I'm going to post on my Instagram stories, this graphic that I'm looking at that basically shows every part of your body can be affected by stress, headaches, heartburn, rapid breathing, risk of heart attack, pounding heart, fertility problems, erectile dysfunction, missed periods, increased depression, insomnia, weakened immune system, high blood sugar, high blood pressure, stomach ache, low sex drive, tense muscles. Well, that all sounds shitty. Let's avoid all of that the best we can. And you know, if you've listened to my podcast about functional medicine, I believe completely in 
treating ourselves before we get sick. And I think stress can make us sick, or if we are sick, it can make it worse. So enough negative, on to all the positive. We're talking about how to be less stressed and manage the stress and manage so many of the things that happen in our lives that we can't control, I think is really important. It's so important to spend time focusing on our mental health. Our mind is the source of our thoughts, our words, our actions. And if our thinking is unhealthy, I think a lot of times our life will be unhealthy. So you could do all the healthy things and you could look healthy. You could work out every day. You could eat all the healthy things. But if you're not spending time focusing on your mental health and your mental self-care, your mental self-care, the ways to be less stressed, all the healthy stuff is it, it might not get you through. And we need mental toughness. We need these skills to be able to handle stress so that we can be resilient during difficult times. And so we can be tough when we need to and achieve success in the different areas of life that we want to. I really believe in the research and that when our minds are strong, we can handle so much more. We can handle whatever life throws our way. And then we go from not just surviving and not just going day to day by the seat of our pants, but thriving, going from surviving to thriving. That's what I was going to, that's what I was trying to say. (laughs) And so, so much of it, so much of the topics I talk about on this podcast are about mental health. Don't drink the poison. If someone tries to give you the poison, you can't always control what happens to you, but you can control how you how you interpret it, how you process it, and how you react to it. So first tip, number one, learn what your body needs and make it a priority. Since meeting with Dr. Lekos and learning so much from him, I've learned that so much happens in our gut. The gut microbiome is the world of bacteria living in the digestive system, and it's not just there to help break down food. There's this constant conversation going on between the brain and the gut, and this relationship is incredibly important when it comes to mental health. So make your gut health a priority. Make sure you're taking your omegas for mental clarity, and listen to your body. Make it a priority. Make it a priority eating the foods that make you feel really good. Don't eat the foods that don't make you feel good. Same thing with alcohol. I drink so much less and I feel like I'm so much less fun. But for some reason, as I've gotten older or my body or changes, or I don't know if it's more mental or physical or what it is, I just don't feel well at all, even if I drink just a little bit. So I've just cut it out. And, and I definitely still enjoy cocktail. I love champagne. I love my skinny Malibu Farms watermelon cocktail. But I just know that I want to make my body feeling good a priority. So I do less of it. And I feel good because of it. And then it's more special when you do it. So focus on your body. Realize so much happens in the gut. And this brain-gut relationship is just so important. So Get yourself what you need. If you need to stretch, it, um, what you need. If you need more sleep, if you need more water, I think just being in touch with your body is so important. Number two, get creative and have hobbies. I was having a conversation with a couple girlfriends a couple weeks ago, and when someone said something like, what are your hobbies? 
so many of us didn't really know what to say because we're, we were all at that table. We were all moms. We're all juggling all the things. But when are we creative? When are we having hobbies? So I think this is one of those big picture things. And in reading about it and reading what experts say, experts say force yourself to do something creative because creativity boosts confidence and it allows you to kind of have that brain downtime and that thinking time, which is so important for your mental health and clarity and relaxation. And it also helps with your imagination, which helps with problem solving and troubleshooting everyday life issues. Sometimes if we just keep going on the routine, we're just on autopilot so much that we just keep going. So by having hobbies and getting creative, I think that it just helps us have that confidence, have things that we do just that we enjoy that are our hobbies that don't necessarily have to be productive. They don't have to have some sort of big end goal. It's just We're just being creative and carving that time in for imagination and creativity. All right, next is a big one. One I talk about all the time, be aware of your thoughts. Because when you're aware of a problem in your life, you can strengthen or weaken that problem based on the choices you make. You can choose to ruminate on the problem and really allow toxicity into the conversation and to grow in your brain. And it can really impact your mental and physical health and even your the health of your relationships. Or flip side, you can choose to deal with the issue by acknowledging it, embracing it, walk someone through it, find your triggers, and have an action plan to resolve the issue. I really think The less we can ruminate on a problem and focus on the facts and the solution, the much better off we're going to be. This means looking at it as an opportunity to grow and learn and develop your own stress resilience because that's what so much of this is about, stress resilience. Next up, breathing, deep breathing. I've been reading and listening to podcasts, books, audiobooks about breathing and the right way to breathe and once... I feel like I have enough information from the experts. I'll definitely do a podcast on breathing, but I wanted to mention it here because this really works. And this, a lot of times I'll do this with my kids when they are just like stressed or fired up or triggered. I'll just say, pause for a second, in through your nose, hold it out through your mouth. And even do, sometimes do like a little mini breath in the middle, in through your nose, and then kind of a a second, second kind of breath and then blow it all out. It really works. As soon as you start feeling anxious or worried or fearful or even depressed, I just think practicing deep breathing helps. It helps reduce cortisol levels in the brain and body that are blocking your actual cognition, allowing you to decompress. Because the opposite, hyperventilating, can make you feel worse. While deep, slow breathing calms you down, reduces your adrenaline and your cortisol, And it allows you to prepare for positive action. So focusing on this, and if this is something that you think that would really help, I think that reading more or learning more about deep breathing and figuring out what works for you. When I was reading books on this, one of the things that kept coming up is to breathe in deeply for four seconds, hold for four, and out for four. 
You can also breathe in one side of your nose and the uh, and then the other side of the nose, which can help you decompress when I was reading about breathing from experts. But the most common practice, the most common advice I saw, breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four. I think that's also called box breathing, but practice deep breathing. I think especially that's one of those ones in the here and now, like when you're like, oh my gosh, I'm having a panic attack. I have so much anxiety and stress. I'm overwhelmed and I've frozen. That's a good one. Next up, get outside and walk more. Another podcast I'm researching is about sleep, and it's so interesting how we need sunshine. We need vitamin D. We need to get outside and feel the air and the effects of nature on our body and all that stuff. And I also think that walking more. Sometimes I like, well, when things were open pre-COVID, I'd love if we did sit down and have a have a big meal in a restaurant. I'd want to walk. I mean, bonus, a lot of times walking meant walking the mall or outdoor malls because that's where a lot of the restaurants are. but walk, eat after a meal, get outside, walk, get some sunshine, get some vitamin D in. Even if it's cold outside, I think that just having that fresh air and nature and physical movement, that those have all been shown as some of the best antidepressants. So get outside and walk more. All right, this is another big one. Focus on facts rather than focusing on emotions. It's a big one and I think it can be one of the trickiest ones. Learning to embrace negative thoughts or emotions can be so uncomfortable. And I recently reposted a podcast I did about getting uncomfortable. And I think it's just, it's such a good thing for us to practice. But this is necessary for us to overcome whatever is causing the negative thoughts is get really nice and comfortable with them. So what I've read is to make this process kind of easier, don't focus on how you feel, rather Focus on the facts or just think of what's logical in this situation and then ask yourself questions. Okay, example. And maybe you got a su- an email that made you super stressed. So all of a sudden you get that email, you turn on your stress, you're anxious, and you're panicked. But instead of focusing on how you feel panicked and stressed, think about the facts, the words in the email. What is the person saying? Why did it make you feel stressed or anxious? And what are the facts about the situation? This has helped me so many times, especially with emails coming through or text messages, mostly with business and business stresses and problems, but also in life too. Maybe I'll get an email from the school or an email from the teacher or maybe, you know, or someone sent something as a group that I didn't agree with or I wouldn't have done it that way or, or whatever it is. You know, when you just, you kind of freeze and you're like, oh my gosh, and your whole demeanor and your whole mood in that moment changes. Think, what are the facts? Could this person actually be right? Could I be overreacting? Do I just need to take a beat? Is there something in this situation that you can learn from? Are you basing your thinking on assumptions or on facts? Focus on the facts. And I found that if you keep practicing this consistently, focusing on facts will become a habit and will help reduce anxiety so much in your life. I just have such better reactions now that I've tried to program myself to focus on the facts. Next up, I always say this. If you listen to my podcast, you know, express, don't repress, feel all the feelings. Anxiety is often a symptom of unexplored emotions. So when you feel something negative or 
you think something stupid or embarrassing, don't suppress or ignore it. Embrace it. Figure out what does this mean? Learn from it and then reconceptualize it. I think about this a lot with my kids because I think our instinct with anyone we love, not just our kids, is they come to us with a problem and we just want to fix it. We just want to fix it and we just want to, you know, some they, our kids come to us maybe with a conflict they had at school and they tell us a story about how something unha- unfair happened to them and our instinct is to say, that kid's rude, forget it, ignore that kid, you don't deserve that. You know, we love them. We want to protect the people we love, of course. But what I've learned to do instead of that is this, ask questions. I understand how you, I understand what you're saying. How did that make you feel? And ask the questions so that we work through how we feel. I just find that we learn from things and we come to terms with things and we sort of like, you know, wrap things up and are able to move on better. Don't suppress, express even if it's more painful. It's more painful for me to, you know, sit there and go through how my child feels and, you know, all the things. And I don't want to make them feel worse. So I think a lot of times we're just trying to make them feel better. But by going through those emotions, it makes it better because you felt all the feelings. You're not suppressing it and it doesn't come back up later. Next, accept what you can't control. I say this all the time. You can't always control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to it and how you define it. Some ways you can start doing this is becoming aware of and embracing situations where you can be vulnerable and seek feedback no matter what. Learning to accept that you can't control everything is a big one. It's a big one and it's something that's not going to happen overnight, But I've really learned rather than get fired up about something I can't control, I accept that I can't control it and I'm going to work on what I can control, which is how I define it and how I remember it and how I move on from it. Next up, work on your insecurities. Be honest with yourself. If you struggle with jealousy or insecurity It's important to be honest about it and work on it and know this and know what it is that you want to work on so that you're always working on it. So you can, like I started this episode saying, so that you can become mentally strong, so you can handle whatever life throws your way. Know your insecurities, know your weaknesses, know what you want to get better at and work on them. Put yourself in situations where you're forced to work on them. And remember, just because someone else is doing well on something, there's not a chance that you can't do well at that too. And just because you're not great at something, no matter how old you are or what you've done or haven't done, I just think that you could become good at it. Don't get stuck in the shame and guilt associated with these insecurities. Instead, acknowledge them and be proud of yourself. Tell yourself, this is awesome. You're aware of them and then see what they're telling you. Maybe you need to improve on a certain area of your life. Maybe you need to address something deeper. Maybe you need to have less interaction with someone in your life that's bringing you down. There's so many things, but 
Working through those uncomfortable emotions is so important. Don't suppress them and work on your insecurities and the things you want to be better at. Along those lines is our next one. Don't let your failures define you. This is something that I have learned a lot. And so I talk about it on the podcast a lot because I have stopped myself from doing new projects in work and in life and in business because I said, oh, I actually failed on that one. And that was pretty bad. So I'm not even going to put myself in the arena. Like maybe I'm not even capable of this, but I've just learned how many years I sold myself short by labeling my own self with my past failures. So wondering, do you confuse failure as an action with failure or an action with failure as identity? Too often we cause ourselves so much mental stress because we don't see that this is not part of our identity. It's just something that happened and it doesn't, it's not necessarily indicative of how we're going to be in the future. It's just not part of our identity. So you have to be careful of saying that you're a failure or someone else is a failure. I failed in the past, but that's the past. Uh, I see failure more as a verb, not as an adjective. So it's an action, not a description. And I don't anymore, I did for a long time, let my past failures sit and weigh on me. I accept it. I accept the vulnerability of it and I let it go. And speaking to this topic of being less stressed, it makes me so much less stressed not carrying the weight of my failures on my chest. Next up, be careful of basing your words and actions on assumptions. This is a little bit similar to one of the ones we talked about earlier, but I wanted to make it its own because I think that we have to constantly check what we think and say and make sure it's not based on assumptions. Do you have all the facts? If not, your assumptions are essentially building structures into your brain and creating realities made out of half-truths, misinformation, and lots of time even lies, which can impact your mental health. Because sometimes, you know how people say some people have revisionist history, like they remember something that's completely different than what actually happened? I think that this is in that same category. We have to be careful that we're not like making assumptions facts, focus on the facts. And a lot of times I think that can help us have not have misplaced realities. Next up, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable, especially with, I mean, be vulnerable with the people you love and the people that you trust, the people that are safe to be vulnerable with. For me, this has been a big freedom move. If you struggle to be open and find it hard to actually talk to people about your feelings, it's even more important to be brave, be vulnerable, take it one step at a time, and embrace that it's uncomfortable. Remember, it is so much braver to acknowledge emotions and own up to them than to suppress them. Once you acknowledge your feelings and you're vulnerable and you express it, then you can heal and you can work through it and you'll be so incredibly amazed at how sometimes, maybe not every time, you will get such good feedback. And, you know, I've told some friends 
things before that I'm that I was struggling with or maybe something that had happened or something that happened with my kids or just something that you know pro- that I would consider something that I wouldn't want people to know something that was embarrassing or maybe the way a child acted or something and it's incredible sometimes people will give you feedback and you're like oh my gosh I just didn't even see it that way that's so helpful being vulnerable has this great added bonus of sometimes someone will say something that will change the way you look at it and it will help you deal with it and be less stressed and heal and change. Next up, have a tribe. Make sure you have a community. Make sure you have people. My only problem sometimes with too much quote unquote self-help is it's a lot of times very much just about you. And I think if quarantine and COVID and lockdown and all this stuff has taught us anything is we need people, we need relationships, and we need a community. So make sure you have a community. In researching this, it was really crazy to see the studies that show that the more we're involved in a social group, the less our risk of death, death is from all causes. While relationships of any kind can potentially improve our chances of survival by up to 50%. So there are lots of different studies. I kind of just did a summary of it. But it's very interesting how we need people. We need relationships. We need connections. So think of ways you can join a group, build up your social circle, make sure you have a tribe. Maybe it's two people. Maybe it's 10. Maybe it's a group. Maybe it's church. Maybe it's mom friends. Maybe it's new friends or friends you've had for a long time. And listen, I know some people don't live in or grew up in super supportive environments, or maybe you have someone negative that you have to deal with on the daily and that's difficult. Here's the cool thing. And I've talked about this on past podcasts. You can have a virtual tribe. You can have people that you listen to. Hi, friend. How about me? (laughs) And people that on YouTube and TED Talks and Um, different people that you can watch and they can be part of your tribe without even knowing them and they can bring happiness and goodness and help you be less stressed because you feel like you're a part of a community. And listen, you're a part of this awesome community. So there's that. Next up is one of my favorites. Start and end the day right. Every day when I wake up, I tell myself today's going to be a great day. And that's what I tell my kids when I wake them up. Even if they're like, we don't want to get up, get out of my room. I'm like, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be an awesome day. I open the window. I told you I believe in sunshine and fresh air. So I open the window. I open the shades. And I tell them, first thing I always say, it's going to be a great day. Happy Monday. Today is going to be awesome. It's going to be a great week. And sometimes for myself, I'll even, as I'm brushing my teeth, I'll tell myself why today is going to be great. Sometimes it's little. Sometimes it's big. You know, I always focus on getting your tens, but this will really help you be less stressed if you're intentional about how you start and end your day. I think a warm bath at the end of the day is amazing and allowing yourself downtime in your brain at the end of the day. So calling it quits and stop trying to be productive after a certain point. Start out your day right with a positive attitude, with a good plan Have good, you know, set intentions for your day. I love knowing your three major objectives. I talked about lots of this on morning routine podcasts and other podcasts, so I won't go too far into it, but our expectations change the structure of our brain in a good way. So 
focus on the positive on a regular basis and it will really make a big difference. How about define your own success? When you don't define your own success, it's been said that the world defines it for you. So I challenge you to think, when was the last time you really thought long and hard about what success meant for you in your own life? Like, what does it mean for you? Make sure you're taking the time to write down personally, professionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of it. And make sure you're taking the time to really focus on what does success mean to you? That helps me be less stressed because I know my priorities. So even if my day is going sideways, I know what is the most important. I know how to prioritize. I know how to take a deep breath and refocus and tackle it. Next up, use your free time to build your brain. Make it a habit. Next up, use your free time to build your brain. Make it a habit to use those free moments in your day to build your brain and make you think and increase your knowledge. Free moments like when you're getting ready, when you're driving, when you're walking, when you're waiting for an appointment. Instead of getting on social media, read a book, listen to a podcast, watch a TED Talk, listen to an audiobook. I've just seen so much value come from being intentional every day about how I use my free moments. Because those free moments add up to hours, add up to weeks, and add up to days spent in a year. Next, don't avoid hard tasks. The longer you push aside an unpleasant task, the more time you have to think about it, making it something even more unpleasant and stressful. So make it a habit to get it done. First thing, you've probably heard me talk about, eat the frog, get up, Do the hardest thing, eat the frog, so it doesn't cause you mental distress. This will 100% reduce your anxiety or stress associated with the task, and then it improves your overall mental health. So think about, what can you get done today that you have been putting off? I promise you, it will reduce your stress in a big way. Next up, focus on the now. So when it comes to difficult times, Focus on being present. Try not to fear or dread the future. Try not to ruminate on the past, especially past mistakes and failures. I just think that a lot of times when we're, we're in overwhelm, we're thinking so much about the past and things that went wrong or stresses or traumas, or we're worrying so much about the future. When I'm stressed and overwhelmed, I'm just like, okay, bring it back right now. We're not going to regret the past. We're not going to fear the future. We're just going to try to focus on the present. What can you do to make decision the, the situation work for you right now? What can you learn? What's your mindset? And stop the mental chaos of regretting the past, worrying about the future, and all of that. Next, protect your mental health when dealing with difficult people. This is so important. Protect your mental health, people. Throughout the whole process of dealing with a difficult person, you just have to remember that your mental health is the most important. Situations like this can be tough and draining and emotional, 
and make sure you have someone to talk to so that you can process those thoughts and emotions. And if a difficult person calls, but you can't deal with it right now, or you're mentally exhausted or something else has happened, talk to them later. You don't always have to accept the call. Protect your mental health. If that means talking to someone less or only talking to them at the right times, or if it's something like at work where you can't really control that, I think that you should be mentally prepared going into it. Okay, here she comes. I know what we're getting into. I am mentally strong because protecting my mental health is the most important. And try to have a good reaction. Try not to react impulsively because it's just going to up your stress. Know what you're know what you're getting into, know it could potentially be a stressing conversation, and try not to attack back, try not to react. I just think protecting your emotional health is just the most important thing. Stop overthinking. This is a big one. And listen to your body. How do you know whether you're overthinking something or just thinking deeply? Well, let me tell you. Your mind and your body will tell you. When you're overthinking, you'll have that like stress, that toxic stress feeling, and your body will respond. Maybe you get a stomach ache or a headache. It's also important to analyze your thinking and emotions so you can find out what's making you overthink and deal with it. Start with the root cause of it. Ask yourself why you feel stressed about something. What's actually happening? What can you do to change the situation and how your mindset is affecting your ability to deal with it. Write down your thoughts. That can bring so much clarity. I love a brain dump. So turn overthinking into deep thinking. I love do a brain dump, get it all out, write it all down. Even if you're going to do nothing with it, you just have to get it out sometimes. Stop overthinking, focus on the facts and try to shift it to deep thinking. And I think that will really lead to a lot of clarity. Next up, don't make decisions when you're tired or you're done for the day. Sometimes we just need to call it. The brain has limited energy and it needs recharging. That's why sleep is so important. We do this through lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise, but I'm telling you also just getting in your tens and the things that make you feel good. Our mind is infinite and tireless, but our brain is finite and gets tired. I read that in a book lately and I was like, huh, I didn't realize that. I'm going to say it again. Our mind is infinite and tireless, but our brain is finite and gets tired. So when our brain gets tired, chemicals don't flow like they should. And the internal networks of the brain can get stuck or they can overfire. So I just think it's important to take regular mental health breaks throughout the day. And when you've had one of those days when you've hit overwhelm, you're super stressed, you're at a level 10 out of 10, sometimes it's okay to take a day. Take the rest of the day, still do your things, but you don't have to make decisions when you're super tired or when you're done or when you're really stressed. And you don't have to solve every problem in that moment. When I was reading all about this, I really saw so many experts saying, wait till you have that clarity again. You know, like give your brain a rest, allow it to reboot and heal, and then come back and make those decisions or focus on those problems. Focus on 
you know, getting yourself happy again and recalibrating and rebalancing and come back to it at a moment when you're going to make a better decision and you're going to make a decision based on facts, not based on emotions or not based on assumptions and you're just not spent. Sometimes it's better. Call the day. Don't do any more decisions. Don't solve the world's problems in a day. Sometimes the stress is a lot and we just need to give our mind a break. We just need, we can't run on empty. We just need to allow it to rest, reboot, and heal. Just like our physical bodies need to, I think our brains need to, and it's so good for mental health. We live right now in one of the most stressing times, and I always just try to focus on less stress, more joy. And in our daily lives, we know the world isn't going to get less stressful. We have work stress and family stress and personal commitments. And also we worry about other things. We worry about the country and politics and global issues. There's just so many things. Life is complicated and in a beautiful way, but all this can take a toll on our mental health. So the good thing is, is just like we can improve our physical health through exercise and eating healthy, we can improve our mental health with regular habits and practices like controlling our stress and focusing on how important it is to protect our mental health. The the mind, like I said, is the source of all of our thoughts and words and actions. So when we focus on this mental self-care, we develop this toughness and resilience we need to get us through the tough times and to achieve success and not let these daily stresses break us down and affect us so much and have all these negative effects on our body and our health and our happiness. So I hope that you were able to get lots of takeaways um, on this topic about being less stressed. I think it is so important to keep your stress as low as possible in whatever way works the best for you. And I hope I was able to give you lots and lots of tips. Please ping me on Instagram. I love to continue the conversation. And I think it's just something so important to focus on right now, our mental health, our mental clarity, and all the ways that we can control our stress level and keep it at a minimum. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. I love my tribe and this community. And I will talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Be Awesome at Everything podcast. For more info about today's episode and all past episodes, head over to howtobeawesomeateverything.com where we break it all down. Tell us what you thought of today's topic on Lindsay's Instagram at Lindsay's Cloud. Until next time, go out and be awesome because that's exactly what you are.